Hello, everybody. Rick Gorman from the Youth Center with another episode of the Youth Centered Podcast. Very excited today. I have been talking to these young ladies for the last couple of weeks, trying to get them on the podcast, and our schedules finally worked out to get it done today. So I am so happy to have Chloe Kim and Lindsay Trong from the Asian Pacific Islanders Club here at the high school. And as we were talking off air, I was new to even knowing this club existed this year. I've been following them on social media, trying to support their initiatives. Um, A lot of things going on, and I really think you're going to enjoy listening to these two very great young women who have a lot to say, and we're going to learn more about this club, and we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, what's going on in the world and some of the things that we need to be more sensitive, things we need to be more actively involved in, and uh, I think it's going to be a good one. So girls, first of all, thanks for coming on the Youth Centered Podcast. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you for having us. <laughs> so what we try to do at the very beginning is we like our guests to do a bio as opposed to me just reading off a piece of paper. So, Chloe, who is Chloe Kim? Well, I am a junior currently at the North Andover High School, and I grew up in North Andover most of my life. Um, I lived a couple years in Andover, and yeah. Great. Lindsay, who is Lindsay? Um, I'm also a junior at North Andover High School. Um, I'm the co-founder, as well as with Chloe, of the um, Asian Pacific Islander Club, um, as well as I do other things around the school. Um, I run two clubs, and I'm the historian of student council. I'm also the student liaison for school committee. So I am trying to be as involved as possible. Good. Well, welcome, ladies. All right, so the first thing I want to talk about is um, when did the high school, I I talked to you previously, I didn't know this club existed, So, and I I feel guilty about that, that I didn't know. When did the Asian Pacific Islanders Club begin, uh, and when did you guys get involved? Were you actually the architects of, of forming this club? Right, so Lindsay and I came up with this idea towards the end of freshman year, and we were talking about how, you know, there are new clubs that are always happening at the high school and how we wanted to also have a specific club for the Asian Pacific Islander community. And so around, I believe, November of 2019, you know, we decided to actually take some action and we passed in the form for hopefully passing, you know, this club. And I think the fall is when it happened in sophomore year for us. So, and, and you basically started it. And from there, who did the school department usually has an advisor that actually is assigned to each club. So who is the advisor for your club? So we, thankfully and gratefully, we have Ms. Schiller, who is a high school teacher currently. And she teaches German and a bit of French. So she's a language teacher that's been amazing and has always wanted to support us in whatever way possible. Awesome. So she's acting as your advisor and supporting you guys on that. So tell me a little bit about when you came up with this idea um, and it was approved um, in the school and Mr. Jackson and everybody said, let's do this. Um, How did you get the first people involved? Was it just you two and then you started to connect with friends or the word of mouth? How did the club start? Well, it was actually just us two at first because we had the idea Um, And we got our friends involved and it was mostly a morning thing pre-COVID Kids would walk in to school and join in our club and we'd talk about like different historical events that went on 
Um, and I also grew up watching my sisters run the Asian Student Association that started in 2015. Um, they got a lot of backlash. Their microaggression posters were vandalized with white power written on them and like genitalia and swastikas. And they'd always get harassed for running the club saying it's not necessary and that they're being extra. Uh, when in reality, they're trying to make space for Asian American identities. And that's what we are trying to do now still. So when your sisters uh, were doing that, was this in North Andover? Yes, it was. So what was it like for your sisters to face that kind of backlash when they were first starting, which basically was before your actual club, but the start of what you're trying to do? How did they handle that backlash? Um, I think, well, I know a lot of Asian Americans and my family and my sisters included um, have experienced this for a long time. And unfortunately, we're kind of used to this. So despite them going through all of that and being traumatized by um, the many like meetings they had to go through when reporting trying to report them um, they never really got like the advice or the things that they needed from the school um, but they were able to persist through that just because it's like it's our mindset to continue moving on it sounds like you know, as shocking that it is to hear some of the things you're telling me, your family and your sisters had kind of grown up a little bit of having to deal with that at all times, correct? Yes. So when that happened and you saw that young as a younger sister growing up and then pursuing to this club here right now, um, how do you feel at this point it's received by kids, teachers, administrators? Well, I was really worried at first because I did not want what happened to them to happen to our club. Every time I make a poster, I'm worried that it'll be vandalized and people are still asking me. They're like, why would that happen? People are like better now. And I do recognize that. But still, I get comments like when we were when we were passing in the form, uh, the lady at the main office was like, oh, there's there's a lot of clubs. Why do we need this one? And it's just like little comments like that, like really break away at my whole purpose and we were playing lunar new year music in celebration of that um and some kid was saying why are they playing this north korean anthem my teacher was saying that they're playing unnecessary music right in front of me and when i asked her to clarify that she told me to educate the class when that's not my job really yeah. So, and again, I'm just meeting you two today, so I'm hearing some tough stories that you've had to deal with within our own community. So when you guys started this, um, it was just the two of you, you saw what happened with your sisters when they were starting something similar when they were students. Um, how has it, you said it's a little bit better now, but you're still dealing with certain things that are happening. So talk a little bit about your club. Is it more than just the two of you right now? And what are some of the things that you started to do pre-pandemic and obviously through this crazy year like no other? Well, we started off obviously with just the two of us and we grew to about probably 11-ish of us more now. And obviously it's helped thankfully with Lindsay and her social media amazingness that kind of, you know, um, got people to be more aware of our club. And basically our main goals are to just, you know, spread more awareness and say, you know, this is, this is equally as important to talk about as a subject and you might not know 
what this club stands for and what we're trying to do but hopefully if you can join us then we can you know all learn together you know and um, try to create a better environment for everyone at the high school so when you meet um, and we'll talk a bit a little bit about the challenges through the pandemic but when you meet and you discuss stuff what do you discuss um, we actually go over Asian American history that is unearthed or uncovered from our school curriculum because it's missing so much more uh, for people of color. Um, and we also do like community building a little less now because of the pandemic. And we had other students in our club introduce like little aspects of their culture and then celebrate it. And then also we celebrated um, like the Lunar New Year or um, like little celebrations along the school just so kids could feel accepted. I like that. Now you say around 11 kids. Of those 11 kids, what um, what basic Asian component are they from or country? Do they, is it mostly people that have come from China or Korea? Where, where would most of your kids in the club come from or their family hail from, I guess I'm saying? I would say it's a it's a mix. There we have Vietnamese, we have Chinese, we have Korean, we also have um, people that are not part of the Asian um, culture, but then come to like learn about it as well. Great, because that's what I wanted to get at. So obviously we're seeing you mentioned a number of Asian communities. So it's good to hear. I think I heard you say that each one of them shared a little bit because obviously a little bit different. But then I was excited to hear that you have some some non-Asian people that are interested in learning more about that. Is that the ultimate goal to have a club that has maybe all nationalities that just are going to have a common goal to learn more about Asian history or different things with that? Um, I would say how it started was I wanted to make a space for Asian Americans to feel safe in their own skin and then like grow and develop their confidence. Um, but now I would say yes, we're trying to like let people learn and listen to the stories in our narrative rather than something else of like say like a white narrative, like trans transcripting like Asian history. I want it to be from us. Sure. So let me ask you, I mean, we always look, I've had a few other clubs. I've had the Black Student Union in, I've had the Muslim Club in. And one of the things we do talk about is curriculum and how things are actually taught. From your perspective, what would you hope that could be taught, maybe a little bit different taking into consideration and being more sensitive to maybe Asian history? Is that stuff that you're interested in talking to maybe administrators about curriculum changes? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Definitely because in fourth grade, I asked, like, what was the Asian community doing at this time? And my teacher responded, they were fine. Like, they didn't go through anything. And I had to, like, find resources on my own and, like, study on my own to, like, finally realize that, like, they were going through injustices the same time as, like, everyone else. Um, so I definitely want to include a more inclusive uh, education. Um, and I also want to start earlier because realizing this at high school and trying to educate others then is really hard. Yeah, I would totally agree. When I had a couple of your other clubs in here, one of the things that we agreed 
to talk about is how do we get down to the middle school and even the elementary schools to kind of start doing awareness or whatever as opposed to just waiting until high school. So it sounds like you guys would be interested in that also. Tell me how the pandemic, the craziest of all years, has affected, first of all, the club in terms of meeting, et cetera. How are you handling that? Well, obviously, everyone, of course, has a life, you know, outside of the club. And, you know, we all have different activities and different things that, you know, we need to do in addition to it. So our original, you know, our original schedule was to meet on Tuesday mornings, you know, when everyone arrives at school. So, you know, that wouldn't really affect their, you know, sport life or work life after school, which usually people have. But obviously, due to the pandemic, we've had obviously school, you know, changes and some people are online and they're doing OLA and some people are, you know, doing hybrid and, you know, the school isn't really letting people, like, you know, come to school early, you know, doors open at probably like 810. So it's really difficult to get everyone in the same, you know, same space in the same room, I think. Yeah. Have you been able to do like virtual meetings at all, Zoom meetings or anything? Yes, we've been holding them um, and that's mostly and primarily how we're meeting with each other. And to take another perspective on how the pandemic affected this club this year, with the rise of Asian hate crimes, it's been horrifyingly hard to like try and have group activities or team build. Um, I even feel bad for teaching history lessons just because I don't want to say something that's re-triggering or traumatizing for these kids to hear um, because it's our histories that's subjugated to racism. Um, and it started with like the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882. Uh, even before that, the um, banning of Chinese women because they're seen as prostitutes. Like I don't want to pin this on them, but I also want them to learn. So how would you say we go about working on that? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but I'm thinking it kind of goes back to my curriculum changes type thing. Like you are talking about things that you are more educated about than the average person is. And it's also, you, you mentioned the word trigger a couple of times, which I totally agree, is I think somehow, some way, I think there's a way we need to make sure our educators know how you feel about this and how we can come to some common ground on that. Is Do you have any strategies of how you might be able to do that? Well, I think definitely the key is obviously awareness and education, of course. And so I think, you know, because usually I remember the first time I was really taught about any, you know, Asian or Southeast, you know, like culture or anything. It was in middle school. And I feel like if somehow we can incorporate some of the cultures and some different, you know, not necessarily just Europe, like we learn in middle school and elementary for the primary part, but other regions as well, I feel like it would get people to become more aware of the countries and their culture and what they go through. Okay. So I'm hearing loud and clear that awareness is what the number one thing, and we need to do that within our school, and we need to do it in our community. Let me ask you, from a broad picture, when you think of North Andover, do we have an Asian community? Is it a connected community? Is it a disconnected community? I would say... It's very disconnected. A lot of people don't feel comfortable with embracing their cultures or showing it or giving appreciation to it because they don't want to be labeled as like too Asian, but then they're also 
described as like white inside or yellow on the outside and we do not want to have that especially when kids are mixed race they feel like there's a disjoint between their identities and they feel like they're a half person and that's horrible because their their entirety and like that's their heritage so they have the right to be validated for both pieces of culture that they hold absolutely well said you mentioned going back to your sister's experience my next question around you know and i always i think north end is a great town i've been here for 33 years and i've seen this community change in a variety of different ways um, but we are a different community than they were in 1988 when i first started here when i heard the stories of what you just told about your sisters how do you think North Andover is in terms of acceptance? I mean, you told some really tough stories of what your sister dealt with. Do you think that overall those were isolated instances? Do you think it's more of a systemic thing that we have in our community, that there is some non-acceptance of this? What would be your take on that as young kids? Um, in my experience, I would say it's absolutely a systemic problem, not only in North Andover, but in our entire country. Um, it's not isolated because I even went through it in middle school. I would be followed into the library as I was studying and kids would call me Ching Chong and they would like continue to say racist slurs. Um, but I just ignored them and I thought it would get better, but my teachers as well, like my math teacher referred to me as a racist Vietnamese character on MASH, which was really disappointing. and. That took away my confidence as an entire person. I literally did not talk to anyone that entire year. Um, and I just like forgot how to socialize. And the whole entire point, again, of this club is placemaking. I wanna make a place for Asian Americans to like be comfortable. Absolutely. Um, as you guys know, um, the, the major group of kids that come here are middle school kids. and. I can relate to that. I know of three incidents in the last year and a half where we had basically some harassment of an Asian child here with comments like what was said to you. And obviously, I'm proud about how we dealt with it, um, but the reality was what was said was very hurtful to the person. And one of the kids was someone who had just moved here, um, so it was hard enough moving here anyways, and that was kind of their first reaction. Very, very tough. So. Um, again, I don't think we're unlike other communities. I think we need to do a lot more of acceptance, and I think that happens with the awareness that you guys are trying to do, and I support you wholly on that. And I think as we talk about more of the worldwide things, and we've talked offline, and it's been a big talk here at the Youth Center with my staff, um, and we've been pretty much promoting this whole st Stop Asian Hate for the last number of months. With all the stuff that you see on news every night, um, or even personal things that have happened to you guys, where do you think we're going as a society in this country in terms of this? I think, especially right now, there's a lot of awareness or like, attention and highlight on the situation um but i'm worried that it'll just revert back because there's always like oh there's a movement going on and there's a lot of attention on it but i don't want it to recede back especially when the asian community is known for being like they don't speak up or stand up for themselves um and it just like 
and despite how horrible these things are, I definitely do and wish for like a more hopeful sense that things will change and that people will continue to educate themselves. But I don't think that rea- reality will be true. So I, I sense a little optimism and a little pessimism with you. So I think what I'm hearing is you would like to think this is what, but I also, I have some fear. I, I sense a little fear in you that it's really good for people like even me to say, stop Asian hate or whatever, but is that really gonna survive the next couple of months or are we gonna resort back to way it way it has been for you? Is that how you kind of feel? Yeah, definitely because I know people change, but there have been a lot of people who have said questionable things like, oh, you eat dog, and they're suddenly like supporting uh, like stop Asian hate and all that stuff. And these are values that you have to live through and continue to pursue instead of just saying it as a fad or something that's popular. So in the last year of the pandemic, and obviously our previous president who, who loosely used words like the China virus and things like that, um, have you seen an increase of kids being even crueler with stuff like that because even the leader of the free nation says stuff like that? Or has it been okay during this period of time as far as hearing things like that? Definitely, it hasn't been okay. Obviously, you know, social media is now more than ever prevalent. And, you know, obviously, there are like the comment section and, you know, you see all these hurtful racist things that really shouldn't be said. And yeah, it's kind of been scary to watch everything kind of play out. And especially I feel like for the more older generation as well, where they're more timid about, you know, kind of saying these things and standing up for themselves, I feel like on the brighter side, the youth has definitely been, you know, using their voice and using their platforms to try to encourage awareness and to say that this isn't a good thing and it should be stopped. How are you two been dealing with your own social and emotional around, first of all, pandemic issues, which everybody's dealing with, but this issue that we're talking about right now, how are you two doing? Um. Well, I know my mom was even afraid to let me go on this podcast. Cause Tell me why. She didn't want me to like go and say something that would offend others, just like speaking up for awareness of like Asians, because she didn't want me to get hate or like backlash, or especially because she didn't want me to get targeted. Um, she's afraid of going to Market Basket even. Like some places local, we always have to go in groups, and I'm scared of like, my mom getting attacked as well because my parents are pretty old and I'm scared for them but I'm also scared for myself at the same time and I feel very selfish and just confused and hurt that this entirety is going on absolutely I mean I you know I'm feeling very bad for you and your family right now and my next question was how is your parents handling this and I I'm seeing a lot of fear for themselves a lot of fear for you um in the whole story about market ba- market basket or whatever basket um market that you go to I mean I saw that video last week of a woman just walking to the store and just getting cold cocked by some person and that's got to be a fear from a parent's perspective if you go someplace by yourself uh and vice versa you talk about that your parents are a little bit aging and you worry about them so this is stuff that you're dealing with we talk about all the kids in North Andover that are dealing with pandemic issues right isolation you know how they're failing missing their friends or whatever and then you have this on top of that so um do you 
do you guys socialize? I mean, I know the pandemic guidelines and stuff, but do you do you go out where you are fearful of being out someplace? Definitely, I feel like like the same with Lindsay, my mom. Like two days ago, we went to the market, and she was talking about how she's fearful that you know, since my dad's working out right now, like you know, and doing his business, she's afraid that he might get targeted. And, you know, she's been stressing the fact that, you know, if I shouldn't really go out by myself anymore and I should always be in pairs or in groups. So definitely, you know, seeing her reaction, like, because before this entire pandemic happened, she was more like, oh, yeah, you can go out by yourself. It's okay. And she was less worrisome about everything. And now she's a bit more scared about herself and her family and, you know, the community around us. So it's definitely been hard to watch my mom kind of change her I guess, personality from being bright and cheerful to scared and a bit timid. So we're talking obviously about you guys, but at home, it's, it is a lot of anxiety in your houses right now from every member of your household in dealing with this stuff. Um, I know it must be traumatic, but when you see some of this stuff on the radio, I mean, on the TV, or you hear stuff on a radio or whatever, what's your reaction? I feel like in my case, and definitely Chloe can probably feel this way too, it's like that could have been my family member. Sure. Like I, when, especially the uh, Filipina woman who got beat up, like that could be my, my aunties and uncles. Like I even thought to myself, I'm so glad that my grandma died like years before this pandemic so she didn't have to go through this. Like being a Vietnamese ref refugee and then having to go all through this again, like my heart breaks for all of the immigrants who can't stand up for themselves, even just like trying to speak English or like trying to get help through police. It just, it's heartbreaking. For sure. How do you, how do you two keep going? How do your families keep going? Definitely for me, like, as I said, my mom was a bit more scared and timid. And I feel like on the other spectrum, my dad is someone that's very outspoken. And, you know, He's someone that really stands up for what he believes in, and he's not someone that'll just, you know, stay quiet. And he's very, like, he believes strong, he has very strong beliefs. And so I feel like through him, definitely our family has been a bit more like, you know, it's nice to have that kind of influence in the household, to know that, you know, our voices do matter, and, you know, we shouldn't stay timid and shy and quiet on, issues that might affect us and are more important to you know address you mentioned you had older do you have younger siblings i do not you do not do i you? do yes i have a younger brother in eighth grade right now what do you tell him you know he hasn't even got to the high school yet he's in eighth grade what what do you tell him how does he feel about what's going on well i feel like he's become also he's someone with a personality that's very timid like my mom as well so He's someone that, you know, if someone says something to him, he kind of, you know, bows his head and he's like, oh, yeah, sure. You know, he's kind of accepting about certain things. And so I usually try to tell him, you know, like, you know, stand up for what you believe in and, you know, don't be quiet on things that you think are important to talk about. Do you two feel like there's people in town that you can talk about this stuff, that you can, you know, use for support during this period of time? Or do you feel like you don't have people that you can talk to with support? I actually feel like 
although as much as our advisors and like principal try to help us, I don't feel safe in this community to try and talk about that, especially when my friends tried to gaslight me about my own experiences. Um, I reach out to like Asian Community Development Corporation in Boston and just like other Asian youth groups um, that are located in the greater Boston area just because they have more experiences. I'm not saying that like they're more validated for that, but I know what they've gone through and it's easier to talk to them. What about you? Well, definitely there are some negatives that come with people not understanding, you know, the experiences or the fears that we might have. But def on the brighter side, I've had, you know, teachers and friends that have checked up, checked up on me and said, like, you know, are you okay? Like, you know, is if you need someone to listen and, you know, I'm just here for you. And I feel like that's been very comforting as well, on the other hand. So I hear a little bit of both, right? I think there's definitely some people that do support and are willing to check in on with you. But at the same breath, other people may be too busy with their own lives. And then maybe people have strong views against you, right? So it's a little bit of everything. But when I look at you two across the table from me, you're, you're two amazing 16-year-old kids. You're young. You haven't had to deal with all this. And then hearing the stories from your parents doesn't surprise me. It's... It's something that I see that's ingrained with them that they've had to deal with this for a major part of their life. Is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So let me ask you, if if this message, and I'm, I'm glad your mother allowed you to come because I think that this is a good forum. It's a good platform you, for you guys to talk a little bit about this. And I have a lot of faith that most people will listen to this and say we got to do better and we got to be able to help more. But if you had a chance to send a message to three groups, and I'll take them one by a time, if you had a message to say to Superintendent Gilligan, Principal Jackson, and your teachers at North End of a High School, what would you want? What would you want them to hear from you? Um, I would start with like the acronym of Raise. I know it was enforced a lot in my childhood, but there's a difference between inclusion and equity and then diversity as well. And we didn't deep delve into that. And I saw a lot of the times when people would try to be inclusive, they just like grab like a person of color and that's not how you do it. And that's not how you feel accepted either. Lens? Yeah, um, first of all, you know, there are wonderful, you know, staff at the school and, you know, people who are teaching that obviously have supported us and, you know, have lent their ear towards, you know, feelings of anger and sadness. But definitely, as the same thing as Lindsay said, raise was emphasized when I was a kid, and it's emphasized, you know, in each elementary school. And, you know, sometimes it's not enough to just, you know, say the words and say what each, you know, acronym and letter represents. Thank you. Now, the second group I want you to... What would you say to the parents of the students at North Andover High School? So parents that have grown up in this town maybe their whole life. Maybe it's parents that have moved here in the last few years. But they're the parents of your peers. What would you want the parents of North Andover to know? Um, I know a lot of the time in school uh, they will learn things and then at home they will just differ. And I want them to perpetuate like that racism isn't okay, that those little like songs about like 
squinty eyes or anything isn't acceptable either. I want them to call them out on their children for that, but then also live out those same lives. They can't be saying those things either. Definitely. My mom's my biggest influence. She's had a lot of, you know, positive things that I can take a part of. And I feel like it's the same for every parent, really. You know, your child looks up to you. You know, they, you, they follow your actions, you know. And I feel like basically parents really have the biggest influences in a lot of cases to educate their children and, you know, you know, show awareness and, you know, to make sure that, you know, every child feels safe at school and hence versa. So definitely you have a big influence and hopefully you'll be able to use it, you know, to educate and to spread awareness. So here at the Youth Center, we have, we think we have a very good culture here and it's something we've built over three decades and a lot of it is around acceptance, inclusiveness, kindness. Those are some of our values that we push every day, growth, empowerment. Um, and we spend a lot of time talking to our youth groups, our leadership groups, our, our kids at the high school, and we talk about issues like we're talking about right now. And I do feel that most of the kids that sign up for our leadership programs are open-minded, sensitive, caring, or whatever. But I also know that kids are cruel at times, and kids um, say things at times. What would the message that you would want to say to your peers at North End of a high school? If they were to listen to this right now, and this is pretty heart-wrenching to listen to you guys talk about this, um, anybody that has a heart and a soul um, would be hurt with some of the things that hurt for you in terms of the things that you guys are saying. What would you, what's the message you'd want to say to your peers, 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th graders at North End of a high school? Um, I would say just to listen to us and then to not uh, degrade us for anything that we say, especially when they try to gaslight and then pretend like our experiences didn't happen or that like we're being too extra. I know I've heard that for a lot of people of color that like whenever you talk about your experiences and how you've been hurt, they've been called too extra and like ignored for that. I think, and even though this is like something small that you can do, just listen. Chloe? Um, I think just treat us the same as everyone else. I feel like definitely, you know, everyone has different experiences that they've gone through. Everyone has different hardships and difficulties that come, you know, whether it's from their age or from their race or, you know, their gender, you know, or ethnicity. And I feel like everyone, just be aware that, you know, everyone struggles with different things and to be a bit more mindful sometimes of the word choice that, you know, people use and, you know, to just, everyone should always be kind and caring and aware of different things that might be going on in people's lives. Absolutely. With everything that's happening to you, and the things that have happened in this country and to you guys personally and our community in the last couple of years, specifically in the pandemic year, how are those things shaping you as a young adult right now? Um, I'm not sure if it's anger. I don't know if it's resiliency. I don't know if it's determination, motivation. But Lindsay, how is this all shaping you? I think I'm definitely motivated to try and take this horrible narrative of like us being attacked into something better, um, especially with the shoot, the Atlanta shooting mm -hmm. of the eight victims. Um, there was a quote that like sticks in my mind when I think about that. It's like, me love you long time from like this old film. 
And that just perpetuates like the idea of Asian fetishization. And I want to take that and turn it into something positive, like so that we can use it and dictate our narrative instead of it being something that's bad. Thank you. Chloe. Well, I feel like this pandemic is obviously, especially for our generation, it's a first. Like, we've never gone through anything like this before. Like, you know, I feel like it'll be a story definitely to tell later in life. And I think that, you know, the struggles that have really come up have, you know, kind of more motivated me and kind of just made me more determined to, you know, use my voice and that, you know, my voice is prevalent and, you know, should be heard and, you know, I feel like I don't have any, you know, I feel like my personality has changed too from usually trying to be more soft-spoken to a bit more like, you know, like I have a voice, this is what I want to say, you know, please, I would appreciate it if you tried to listen. Very good. Lindsay, let me ask you something. You're a junior in high school. Um, you have another year coming back at the high school. What's the future hold for you? What would you like to do? I'm assuming college is in your future. What would you like to do in terms of the rest of your life? Um, I definitely don't want to stop making change. Um, I'm starting here in North Andover as a microcosm to like, because I want to see it in our entire country. I want to um, later on be, well, it's like a cheesy quote, but like a woman's place is in the office, the Senate, and the, wait, it's, I said this wrong. A woman's place is in the House, the Senate, and the Oval Office. Um, but I definitely do want to be and create legislation um, just so I can see change on a large scale for people to feel accepted everywhere. So Lin Lindsay's going to be a big change agent going forward. That's a safe statement? Yeah. Good for you. Chloe, what's the future hold for you? Honestly, I'm not sure yet. I probably have a... I mean, you know, I'm going to be a senior, but... I have a bit more thinking to do about my future, obviously, but definitely I think that I want to be someone that obviously speaks up for what she believes in and, you know, takes the initiative. Like, you know, it was difficult for us to even, you know, consider making a club like this. And I never thought I would when I entered high school, you know, I thought I wouldn't really want to be involved in a lot of different things, but, you know, I feel like making the club and you know seeing the different people that have joined the club and you know obviously thank you for giving us the platform to speak about it but you know having people that really care about it and have shown their appreciation and support has really changed me so continue to make initiatives for what i believe in and speak up good for you as we said off air i mean my hope is to collaborate and partner with APIC along with the black student union the muslim club and other groups um to continue to not just talk it, we need to do it. Um, and I've brought up ideas of like having a welcoming group here at the youth center uh, for our younger kids to learn about and bring the clubs in to kind of talk about and kind of really just make kids more aware. So I'm hoping that this isn't a one-time relationship that we have. I'm going to get you guys next year when we get back to a little bit of normalcy. And I really want to do this uh, because I think it's powerful. I think we got to do it. And to your point, I think you mentioned it a few times, Lindsay, it's, it's one thing just, uh, well, it's the common thing everybody's supporting right now, but it has to be supported every single day. We have a lot of work to do in this country on many, many levels. Um, and obviously this level is a big one on that. So um, I do want to finish up by just asking you guys one more question. So when people listen to this, 
and, and hopefully up here as well. Tell me, how does someone get into APIC? You know, how, you know, give me contact. Like, how, do they reach out to you through social media, or is there a way to get in touch with you at the high school? Because what my hope from this podcast here and getting this awareness out, there will get more people and Southeast Asian Pacific Islanders, but also other people that want to learn from you guys and become more aware. How do they get in connect contact with you? Um, they can contact our advisor, Miss Schiller, um, in room twenty fifty two if they go to the high school. Um, as well as we're on Twitter and Instagram. And you could also email the both of us, um, Chloe Kim and Lindsay Trong. Um, just reach out and we'll be down to answer your DMs at any time. Absolutely. Um, we always give our guests what we call the final words. So let me ask you, Chloe, what's the last thing you want to say in this podcast? Well, thank you for giving us this place to, you know, share what we've gone through. And it's really been kind of like a reliever to get, you know, some things out that, you know, have been, we've been definitely holding back. And um, I guess just um, awareness is huge. You know, acceptance is huge. Kindness is huge and respect is huge. And, you know, you have the power to influence a lot of different things, whether you're a teen at a high school or a parent or an administrative person. And, you know, you can influence a lot of people. So, yeah. Thank you, Chloe. Lindsay, what's your final word? Um, I was just thinking, like, the entire time when you referred to our club as APIC, I would rather people say the full name, like Asian Pacific Islander, because I want them to know what it stands for as well as like that unity aspect. I really want to bring our cultures together. Um, and then also another thing I heard was that people don't think that they can join our club because they're not Asian, which is definitely not true because what we stand for is the Asian American values and not being Asian um, and that anyone can join our club. Very well said. And I will call you with the full name. I will not be using APIC anymore. Thank but you. Um, no, I appreciate you telling me that. Girls, uh, you two are amazing. I met you a half hour ago, 45 minutes ago, or whatever. Ne never met you before. Your, your parents should be very proud of you. And your mom that had some concerns about you doing the podcast, I think she's going to be very proud of, of you and, and how you were in this podcast. So you guys done a great job. As we agreed upon, our goal is to get the word out to have more awareness, a little more understanding, sensitivity. And as I've said to you a number of times before we got on here, here is I don't think North Anna was perfect. I think it's a great community. I think we got work to do just like other the community. And, you know, I'm, I'm vowing the support of the youth center to help your group in any way we can or anything you need from us, just call. Um, and it's part of our, our inclusivity, but you know, again, I'm overly impressed with you two, just meeting you in the first time that I, I wish you guys the best of luck with the club. And again, if there's anything we can do with the youth center, please let us know. All right, folks, this is wrapping up this week's podcast. Next week, we start our six-week series of called Savage Leadership Series, where we're going to have one different leader every week talking about their leadership style and different things like that. More information to come on that. Uh, so once again, I want to thank Lindsay and Chloe for coming in. And that wraps up this podcast. And as we finish every podcast, we always say too much passion is never enough passion. <laughs>